Hello and welcome to the Founders Edition Podcast, Episode 3. Today we're jumping past the realm of the traditional and talking to someone incredible, a writer, a producer, an artistic director and a performer. Daisy Minto will take us on her journey of pursuing her passion whilst picking up the relevant skills along the way. I hope you enjoy. Hello Daisy, thank you for joining us today on the Founders Edition Podcast. Um, Our first proper creative I would say <laughs> on the podcast and it's the third person so that kind of makes sense um but how are you doing where are you calling from today uh so I'm calling from East London which is where I'm based um in my lovely new flat I've just moved house and I feel very happy Brilliant. where where have you moved where in uh, where in East London uh so in Hackney so oh. very, very close to the marshes which is a really nice place it almost feels like you're not in London because it's very green which is lovely. So that's not good. really urban. <laughs> well, exactly. And I mean, we're going to get into your your career and that, but is it close to where you work or do you just work from home or is it all very So lovely? I do a combination of stuff. So I work from home on my um, own projects. And then when I freelance for other people, um, London is the place to be. There's so many venues, so many artists. So um, yeah, I kind of bopping around all over the place. <laughs> I like it. It's a combination. Um, and so I know you're not from East London, but mm-hmm. for the people who are listening, where where did you grow up? So um, I grew up uh, slightly all over the place. We um, we moved a lot because of my dad's work. So I was born in Greenwich and then we moved around the UK a lot. And then we relocated to Switzerland just outside Geneva when I was about 12 and um i did all my teenage years so all my formative years um yeah in Sw- in switzerland and i moved back to the uk um when i went to uni so my family still live out there and i kind of consider it to be home yeah even though i'm not yeah. swiss but yes but swiss passport and all the good you got all the benefits well not yet not yet oh no no and really? also post brexit i'm annoyed about that <laughs> ah, that's one for the to-do list we're working on it we're working on yeah it. so so daisy i mean i would consider you a creative would mm-hmm. you consider yourself a creative we'll just get that out of the way yeah i definitely i definitely do um Good. i think i have do have to wear two very different hats though okay um because i often talk about um making work and when I say work I mean art uh, making work and making my work happen and Um, I have to have those two different hats so the making work is my artist hat and the making the work happen is like my producer hat um brilliant and I do like wearing them both but I'm I'd I'd rather spend more time in my uh making the making the work hat (laughs) for sure well that's this is this is exactly what we were talking about pre uh pre-recording today is what kind of value can we give to to kind of student creatives and wanting to go and that this will all absolutely mold into the into the rest of the podcast <laughs> so I really appreciate you already touching on that um uh but to kind of go to go to your so your creative side <laughs> uh you've kind of grown up around the place um and you say you did that for your dad's work would you say to get it out of the way that your that your family have kind of influenced that creative side of you or were they kind of trailblazers in their own right that it it might have influenced you or or was this kind of your own your own direction to take um is that's a that's a really interesting question both my parents are really interested in pop culture 
like really, really into pop culture. My dad is a huge music nerd. Um, they both love film and TV and, uh, yeah, books. Music is definitely the biggest, the biggest thing though. So we grew up in a very like cultural house. Like we always engaged in, in, in culture and and all that sort of stuff. Um, and so I've been around a lot of, of art in all different ways and I've understood it to be really important. Um, and interestingly enough, my my dad used to want to be a writer. Um, and so when he was kind of my age, he was trying to pursue a career in um, screenwriting and then eventually kind of just completely moved away from it because he now he works in, in law. Um, and so in I think my parents definitely, uh, they didn't push me or my brother to be specifically creative, but there was definitely like a a surrounding for that to be, like it made sense for me to end up being a creative in the household that we were in. And in a way, I think my, my dad, especially when he figured out that I was going down that route was like, yes, follow your dreams. Cause I didn't do that. Follow your dreams. <laughs> That's um, really, so, so in, in your household, in, in maybe like a traditional household, it's got the, your classic roots. Say, oh, you, your parents would be totally fine if you wanted to go and become a scientist or totally okay. If you wanted to go into, I don't know. Yeah. Creating your own company. And, and this was exactly the same. Your parents were just, completely fine with you wanting to go down and be a creative they definitely were a bit like how are you going to make money <laughs> The <classic. laughs> and they still are a little bit like that sometimes um the main theme at the moment is my mum uh sometimes says you're doing something that's very difficult you're doing something that's very very difficult you're doing something a little bit easier <laughs> um in that sense but that obviously just comes from them they just want to make sure that I'm like secure they've never they've never said to me you shouldn't do this you should do something that is more secure they've always just want to make sure that I'm okay uh which to be fair has been actually like quite a useful way to approach um to yeah to to approach my creative career because I've always tried to um like balance uh money like money making jobs and then artistic jobs and I'm in the point now where I've established my art practice enough that that can be where I support myself from. That's um, really fortunate. That's yeah, that must be a very nice place to to land now. It's it's okay. It still has its precarity and its stress, but I feel like I'm on the right route. So this is this is I mean this is probably one of the the maybe more broad topics I would love to talk about in this podcast, but at least in the time that we have, um, about that money making aspect of of. Mm of creatives and I mean I know that we're living in a a cost of living crisis now and we're looking at the edge of a recession and we've got all these crazy things um and I mean for anyone it it must be hard and um well fortunately that you are in the aspect in the place that you are now that you you have a a means of a means of money but I know that you do a lot so uh, explain your LinkedIn profile briefly you have (laughs) kind of three things that you're presently doing. Um, oh, you just reminded me as well, I need to update it because I can't remember what I've actually got on there because I, I oh, do, no. because I freelance in the arts. I, um, do you know what? I'll, I'll give you a little bit of context of what I did when I graduated university because that really set up how I managed to become, how I managed to get to the place I'm at now. I don't know if that would be useful. Absolutely. And you know what? Well, since we're there, why don't you tell us also what you did at university? Cool. So I, at university, I studied um, English literature with creative writing at um, UEA in Norwich and I really loved it and I thought I wanted to be just a scriptwriter. and then as I was there and I got involved in the drama society 
um, a lot. I started making um, lots of theatre shows and I realised that I maybe wanted to be more of a director and then towards the end of my like university career I was like oh maybe I also want to make my own work so maybe I want to direct it maybe I want to write it maybe I want to be in it a little bit as well um and I knew I wanted to stay working in the theatre industry when I graduated and I stayed in Norwich and I got a job through um a government funded program called the creative employment program which doesn't run anymore which is such a shame because it was a really amazing thing but it's actually not dissimilar to the kickstart program but it was specifically um, at the time, which was way back when in 2016. Um, it was just for jobs in the creative industry. And I got a marketing uh, internship, basically, that way in a theatre. And um, I had always planned to um, dovetail freelance work. And in that, I include the work I do with my theatre company and then more stable work in in venues or with um, other arts organizations um and I started doing marketing and I end up specializing in it because I, I really enjoy it and it's also really useful and from a creative perspective in theater is really interesting because it's the point where you speak to your audiences and you develop audiences for your work so I started in a little theater there after the end of the of the creative employment program kind of term they kept me on and they gave me a little promotion and that was great and then I moved up to, to London to work for Underbelly, who are a huge programmer of um, festivals. They, they run festivals in London and in Edinburgh. Um, and I was their marketing officer for a while. Uh, and now I freelance doing marketing um, for venues and for arts organisations. And I also pivot into producing. So that's making all the work happen it does also include often a very large marketing slice and I've been doing that um recently in circus uh working with a company contemporary circus company called Bailey Methodical Troupe I was assistant producer for them for a while and that was great uh and I so I would balance working these kind of more stable part-time um marketing or producing jobs and then in my free days that's when I uh would pursue uh, freelance creative stuff and also build my company that's um, brilliant so is was that a necessity to to kind of have those um those established jobs so that you could then pursue your, your own passion yeah definitely definitely because the arts industry specifically like theater is really dependent on um on funding and so it's not always going to be consistent. It's quite difficult to get started and start paying yourself for the work that you do mm-hmm. immediately. Um, and so for me, I needed to have a bit of a, a cushion. Um, but actually, it's been really beneficial because I have always worked in the arts. Like I haven't had a, the kind of my kind of bread and, bread and butter jobs haven't been in a different industry. So. I've learned a huge amount by just being, you know, being in venues, being in festival situations, working with other um, companies. And, and that's really been actually the most invaluable thing. Like obviously it's great to be able to pay my rent and, you know, do my food shop. (laughs) Um, But actually I wouldn't have changed it because it it has given me an incredibly strong foundation. And um, now that I am freelance full time, so I decided, made the choice to, I was marketing manager at a venue in Southeast London up, for about two years over the pandemic and then in December of 2021 I decided that I was gonna 
quit and go freelance full time and take the risk and see, gave, gave myself like a year to try and figure it out. So we're halfway through that year at the moment and fingers crossed it's going okay. Um, but yeah, I decided to, I've slightly lost my train of thought there. It's fully, it's fully you know, gone. Doing your, your freelancing now and you're, you're making money because you can, you can go and do your own passion. Yeah, your own passion. I thought that was a really good nugget that I was getting to, and then I got distracted by myself. Well, I have a question to jump in with then. Go on. And uh, well, this is definitely going to be a leading question, but mm-hmm. would you say that kind of doing this marketing, doing this producing, the, the stuff that have has um, made you a bit of money has really assisted in you founding your own um, kind of uh, your own journey into the theatre industry? Yeah, I, on like a hundred percent, it completely has. Um, it completely, completely has, and I think that's why I was talking earlier about having uh, two really distinctive, different hats. I've got my artist hat and I've got my producer hat. Um, and I don't, I don't think if I hadn't had those experiences in those other jobs, um, that I'd be able to be in a position where I can make my own art happen in the same kinds of ways. Uh, that's brilliant. Yeah, and it also means that I can be self-starting. I don't need to go and find a producer to believe in my art to do it. I can I can do that for myself, which um, I really love. I find it really fulfilling. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I really it wouldn't have been in the same position had it not been for all those other jobs I've done and the, and the sure. stuff I've learned and the people I've met as well. Well, I think that is, I think you, you said you were saying that it was a great nugget in that. I think that is the great nugget for <laughs> anyone who's leaving maybe a, yeah, a degree in, in literature or, or theatre and they want to get into it then getting maybe a starting job to learn the industry. I mean, it's mm. a classic piece of advice and I think it even resonates here. So Yeah, and it's also like, it doesn't matter how small you start either because um, yeah, another job I had was <laughs> it literally straight out of uh, graduating was uh, just flyering for a, the Norwich and Norfolk Arts Festival. Mm. So I was just being the person handing out the brochures, being like, come see stuff, come see stuff. Um, but that was amazing because I got to meet all the people that organised the festival. Yeah. And on, off the back of that, I met other people and then things kind of snowballed from there. Um, Good bit of networking. Yeah, networking. And it's, networking is such an intense word, like, because I'm just such a chatty, friendly person. I really, I genuinely think about it as like making new friends. I like that. <laughs> the um, art of making new friends yeah the art of making new friends but genuinely like starting really like really starting really small because you never know where things are going to go and like for a while never saying no to an opportunity but within your own limits like don't burn out because I've also been there not fun um absolutely but yeah. yeah what a good piece of advice there yeah that's <laughs> absolutely the there's the um I think there was a new book recently about the art of saying no but absolutely mm. do say yes but don't burn out I think it's yeah. just the, the piece of advice there so that is the background of, of, of a bit of a background of Daisy Minto. Thank you. And so the next thing I would love to talk about is your show Wild Onion but, mm-hmm. uh, that you're currently doing and that I've had the pleasure of seeing. Um, <laughs> and also along the lines of that, what is Orange Skies? And is it a person? Is it a place? <laughs> Give us the give us the the lowdown of the show and the and the beast behind it. So, um, so what, our Orange Skies is a uh, an interdisciplinary uh, theatre and life performance collective, which and is a bit brilliant. <laughs> but to condense that into a nutshell, it's a group of friends who have 
um, different uh, practices in live art. So circus, dancers, theatre makers, um, and we make shows together that um, blend all of those disciplines. Um, and we've been going since 2016, which is great. We've got a couple of years under our belt. We've done a couple of shows before um, and we make shows and then we tour them around the country. So we have done venues in London before. We've done Norwich. We've been to the Midlands um, and Scotland. So we make shows and then we take them around. That's kind of what we do. The creative impetus around Orange Skies is that we make shows that make you want to hold the person next to you whether that's in care or back in rage um, or in support. Um, we love the idea that live performance um, makes a community of the people watching it. So the people next to you have the same experience and you're all together, which is something that's quite unique and sets it apart from things like um, film and television and recorded music and things like this. Um, and that's why we love to, to do it and make it. And we tell stories that are um, very, very personal to, to us, there's we always talk about emotional truth. There's always emotional truth in our shows. Um, but by being really specific with the stories we tell, they often have really um, broad resonance with our audiences. People can often find bits of their own lived experience to connect with in the shows. Um, so that's kind of uh, what Orange Skies is. And then the show that we're making at the moment is called Wild Onion. And it's a narrative cabaret. So it is a cabaret, but it tells a story. And it's about three friends um, who are there to help each other and support each other grow. And how growth can be messy. It can be hilarious. It can be joyful. It can be challenging. And the, the silly thing about the show is that it features about 100 onions, at least, every performance. Um, and so every uh, kind of act in the cabaret involves some sort of onion and there's some sort of onion based task so <laughs> one of my favorite scenes is I'm smashing up just white onions and then I'm trying to make Adam cry and we kind of use it as a way to talk about masculinity and about how men don't release their emotions and so we're doing it in this stupid way of trying to make him cry with onions and it's like come on squeeze out the tear have the emotional release <laughs> Well, I can say I, you're not lying when you say there's there's a hundred or more onions. There was a lot of onions, and in fact, so many that that um, we had to go and help clean up after. Yeah, <laughs> which for the, the rest of the audience, for the new people who are going to see it, and if you're listening, you don't also have to do it unless you're feeling very kind. <laughs> that's voluntary. Um, oh, and that's the other part of the work that we make that um, is we also do a lot of outreach. So we have kind of two strands of outreach that go along with our shows, one of which is that we um, do workshops for other young creatives. So often these are aimed at um, students who are kind of at the end of their GCSEs in their A-levels who are thinking about what they're going to do afterwards. And we love to go and work with them, uh, show them what we make and talk about theatre because theatre isn't just acting. It can also be set design. It can also be logistics. There's lots of different uh, jobs that make it happen. So that's always fun. We go and kind of share our experience um, with them. And then uh, we also try and do some sort of community engagement to try and develop audiences to see our show. And with Wild Onion specifically, because because some of the onions don't make it out alive from the show, <laughs> there's a lot of smashed up onions, which means there's a lot of compost. 
And so to be environmentally friendly, uh, we partner with local com community gardens and allotments and growing projects in the places we tour to. And we take our onions, our smashed onions, uh, to them to compost. And then we also chat to them about, um, you know, what they're doing together, their growing communities, um, and invite them along to see the show. So there's a nice link there and it, it, it makes the kind of show have its own ecology, which we love. That's brilliant. That's so lovely. And um, well, what a great little summary of, of kind of what's going on at the moment. Um, <laughs> and so, so, we've, so we've heard about your kind of exit of university and mm -hmm. how you maybe gain the experience and the kind of confidence to go into theatre, but you also had, had the background in it. You knew what you were doing mm -hmm. um, and you developed that passion. And then we've got the end result, yeah, which is a very well-reviewed show uh, <laughs> and a group of very brilliant people that you work with and that you perform and you create um, these beautiful pieces of art. And so I think one piece of um, value and one mm -hmm. really interesting to talk about is the kind of that middle section. Yeah. How do you go from um, an idea, maybe if you're at university and you have a great idea for a show, how do you go from that to performing at fringe festivals and arts festivals or in your, I don't know, in your local theatre or pub or whatever it may be? How how do you go from that, um, from kind of A to B? Because uh, I'm, I'm sure it's a very complex and time consuming process, but one that no doubt is really important. Yeah, that's a good question. So um, the first place to start, and it's the place that I started, um, is if you have an idea, you need to try it out first. And you don't need to try it out in a big way. So the first show that I started making, we had an idea and we made uh, 10 minutes worth of material. Um, that was literally it. The show had a title and then we had 10 minutes. And um, most theatres and arts venues uh, have things called scratch nights which is when you come and you scratch a piece. So basically it's the idea of you come and it's a bit scrappy, you're trying something out, you get to try in front of, an, of, a, of a friendly audience. There might be quite a lot of other creatives who are also in the same um, scratch night. So it's a showcase for new emerging work. And when I lived in Norwich, um, after I did my degree, um, I scratched a show at The Garage uh, in Norwich, which is a really nice theatre. They also have a lot of artist development work. And uh, that was the beginning of a relationship that we had with the garage. And it also was the beginning of um, building an artist's network, like getting into the network. And that was just through an open application. So I was kind of searching around for somewhere that I could show this work, came across the scratch night at the garage and just filled in an application form. I think that's something actually <laughs> about um, making theatre that I wish I had known, which is that I spend about maybe 50% of my time writing application forms, be that for performance opportunities, be that for money, for grants. I spend a lot of time writing application forms. <laughs> so the sooner you can get better at doing that, that's, that's a winner. But it's yeah, so that's, that is always the first step um is to try and start there so try and get your work in front of uh, an audience because you'll also artistically you'll know if people are interested in it um if there's something worth pursuing in it uh you know or if it falls flat on your face and you're like okay this project isn't going to work let's not bother um so then after you've scratched it and you kind of know what 
what you're interested in. The next stage would be making it into a longer work in progress kind of piece. So, um, and this is the process as well that all the shows that we have made have, have followed. So with Wild Onion, we uh, scratched it at the Pleasance Theatre in Islington in London. And then we did a work in progress um, sharing of it, which was uh, a bit longer. Um, and that is when you need to start kind of pulling together all of the networks that you that you have, because um, the biggest the biggest expense after like creative fees, like after paying people for their time is always rehearsal space. Um, but rehearsal space is also something that people will give you as support in kind. So they'll give it to you for free often if you uh, start building a relationship with a venue. So the garage in Norwich is another great example because we did a scratch night with them. They liked what we were doing and then they offered us some free studios time. So we had a couple of days in a really nice uh, studio uh, to properly start developing this show, which was great. Um, and then that's when the the point I always find that my uh, artist hat and my producer hat start separating and I need to start doing both of those things at the same time. So my artistic hat will be like, oh, cool. Is the show good? And do I need to continue going on that route? What am I going to change? What am I going to develop? And then my producer hat is thinking, okay, longer term, um, where am I going to take this show? Who do I need to get involved um, in terms of partners or uh, funding or sponsorship to make this happen? What venues am I going to get in touch with? Um, what kind of um, types of programs are going to want this work? Like, is it a piece of dance? Do I need to go to a theatre that programs dance? Uh, is it uh, a horror show? Do I need to get it into the London Horror Festival? Like, um, And so it's a bit of a weird moment because it, I'll be making the piece and I'll be thinking very much about what the art is going on. And then my producer brain will be thinking six months ahead. And you always get this where you're trying to sell people a show that won't exist quite yet. You haven't finished making it. And so there's always this process of going back through and being like, okay, so what, what actually have we made? How do I talk about it again? Um, also, what have we said we're going to make? How can we make what we're making be that, but also be artistically integral to what we want it to be now? <laughs> and Wild Onion has been a really interesting one for that because um, we started making it in 2018, which is a really long time ago now, considering that the show is only touring now in 2020. It's almost four years. Um but it had a lot of different journeys because we made we went through the process of, of scratching it, of doing a work in, in progress performance. And then we scrapped it. We were like, this isn't quite this isn't quite right. This isn't what we wanted it to be. And so we kept the themes. So everybody that was involved and the name and everyone that was involved in terms of like venues and organizations, the, the we still had the same relationship to them because the work was ostensibly in the same zone but then we completely redeveloped it um, within that to be what the show is now. Um, so there's an interesting kind of like dance you have to do between um, making the art what you want it to be and being integral to like your own artistic drive and vision. Yeah. But then also as the producer trying to make sure that you're selling it in the right way, getting the right kind of um, opportunities for yeah. the work. Absolutely. Okay, that's so interesting. That's really that's a very interesting process, and I kind of following on on that on that wave and, and how you were saying that your the the show has evolved over time. Mm. 
mm-hmm. and it seems like your your group of of orange skies is um is is quite a I don't know, quite a, a, a horizontal leadership structure. Maybe you all have, you all have a, quite a lot of a say, but yeah. I guess there must be there must be tension when you evolve an idea and an idea changes. And mm-hmm. um, if maybe you make the decision to scrap an idea or to change something quite dramatic, um, how do you lead through that kind of process, or how do you make those decisions? And is it is it a difficult situation to be in? It's a good question. I think uh, we do have a really like flat leadership structure, um, and it's be- and that is in both in terms of being in the artistic space. So if we're in the rehearsal room, it's the same, and then if we're in uh, kind of the the business head mode, it's the same. Um, but we kind of have um, it's not it's actually a very much spoken rule that we have someone who will just make the who will make the decision that we keep to move forwards um because that's one thing about making collaboratively is sometimes when sometimes you need to pause a conversation go we're going to go with this for now and then see how it goes and most of the time um that uh that's me and then also my artistic co-artistic director Rachel is will be that those people to make those choices um but I think also that we've been working together now for quite a number of years and we know uh we kind of and we know how to disagree with each other and so we've got this there's a really interesting um uh director called Anne Bogart she's amazing um she's American she's written a lot about um theatre making and collaborative uh art making and one of the things she talks about in one of her essays is uh it's oh it's oh, oh I had the word and it's totally gone okay <laughs> it's, oh, it's such a such a good nugget conscientious disagreement ah okay and I find that really interesting because to make really great theatre there has to be tension you have to you're playing all the time with tension making and releasing in the art and so in the room that you're making in you also need to be know how to navigate and uh not shy away from tension um and conscious conscientiously disagreeing with people is really interesting because it comes from a place of uh caring about the art caring about each other but then also making space for there to be tension and to find something much more um interesting through the tension rather than just agreeing with each other and making something really boring um so yeah we had an interesting experience actually a couple weeks ago when we were redeveloping the show for two days we were just re-rehearsing a few little bits and um we brought in someone to kind of stand in because in the show at the moment, um, me, Rachel and Adam, who are the three people making it, we're also the three people performing it. So we don't have a director. So sometimes we need somebody to stand in to the show. So one of us can step out and watch. And it was interesting uh, talking. We brought in a really great creative um, called Emily, who's a, a friend of mine. And, uh, <laughs> and afterwards when we were having like a coffee and debriefing about it she was just like are you and Adam okay and I was like what do you mean she's like you were really like you were really like having some very intense debates and I was like yeah that's just how it works like we're doing the the whole conscientious disagreement like we are going to disagree with each other but we love each other and we value each other and respect um each other's artistic uh visions so yeah so that's kind of how we do it like it's it's been a long time in the process like we wouldn't be able to do and make work in this way had we not been working together for a co- for like a good couple of years because obviously there's always moments where people disagree and they don't know how to manage it um 
but we've gotten through those moments now and the space is so um, open and collaborative and respectful that it can hold space for tension as well. I love I love that. I love conscientious disagreement. I'm going to have to implement <laughs> that into my daily to my daily management. Um, well, Daisy, it's somehow been half an hour, um, <laughs> which means we're coming to the end of the podcast. Uh, but I would love to do two things. First of all, I would love to take you back to your early university days, your early creative theatre days, and maybe just a brief thing that you would love to say to someone in that situation, kind of a really, just a quick bit of advice. Um, and then I would love to open the floor to you and, I don't know, take a leaf out of, I don't know if you've ever seen Hot Ones on YouTube, but at the end, they always give the floor to the guest and they can tell them what they're doing. And I know you're doing some incredible things, so I'd love to give the floor to you. Um, but yeah, start with the advice. What would you like to tell someone in the space you were when you started? Uh, I think that um, this is maybe a bit specific, but uh, theatre isn't just plays. Live performance isn't just plays. Um, and you don't just have to be an actor. I really wish I'd known about that. And because the work I make now is uh, like it is theatre, but it's also all these other things. It's, it's cabaret, it can be circus, it can be performance art. Um, and there's a whole, yeah, there's a whole world to that that's a lot bigger. So I reckon I'd say go and see, go and see so many shows, go and see things that you don't even know what it will be um, and be inspired by those things and pursue it think definitely definitely and then also uh take friends along with you <laughs> take friends along with you because the artists will be happy that they've sold more than one ticket and then you'll have someone to talk about it with afterwards um because a lot of my a lot of my creative practice has come from discussing with my friends who've seen the same show um you know how they felt about it so take a friend and take a punt on something Good. um good bit of easy advice there just to, <laughs> just to get people into the into the mindset well thank yeah, you 100%. And um, so what are you doing? I open the floor to you, Daisy, to tell people what you're doing and the incredible things um, waiting for them in a certain part of the UK, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I am working at the moment to take Wild Onion, which is the show with 100 onions, um, on tour around the UK. We've just done the Brighton Fringe, which is where your lovely self came to the show. But we are going to be at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival from the 16th to the 27th of August um, at Assembly. Um, so if you are in Edinburgh for the Edinburgh Fringe, you should come and see the show because it is very joyful and hopefully will um, make you very happy and then be splashed with onions. Who doesn't love that? And then afterwards, we're going to tour it across the UK um, in the autumn and then in the spring of next year as well. So if you're around and, you can see, and you've seen Wild Onions somewhere, please come along, tell your friends, tell your friends' friends, tell your gran, tell everyone to come and see the show. <laughs> Um, but that's what we're working on at the moment. Um, and we'll get yeah, going to be in Edinburgh next. And there we have it. End of episode three. Feel free to look into the show notes for all the relevant links for Daisy's work. Feel free to follow the podcast. And I'll see you back here for episode four.